Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. I am Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And since really Christmas, before Christmas actually, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew and looking at the way Matthew presents Jesus to us in this gospel. And this morning is our last weekend looking here at Matthew. And there's part of me that's a little bit sad about that. It's like when you move on from studying a gospel for a number of months, it's kind of like taking a break from a friend. You just have to say, I'll see you in a little bit. So I'm sad about that part of it. But I'm excited because what we're going to be doing in June and July is looking at the book of Acts. The book of Acts comes right after the four Gospels. It tells the story of the early church. And the book of Acts is one where, in the first half of it, it has kind of the greatest hits. Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and the church begins. And then there's Philip and the Ethiopian that he comes in contact with. There's all these stories that people are familiar with. But then the second half of Acts, if you just read it through, honestly, it's kind of boring, But when you dig deep into it and you look closely at it, you realize the way the church is interacting with all these cities. It's all these travel narratives. And there's a lot of, then we went to this town and we went to this town and we went to this town. But in each one of those instances, the Holy Spirit is working in a different community in a different city. So I'm excited to do that. When I was in my doctoral program looking at preaching, I actually took an entire course on preaching just the book of Acts. And our professor would give us the most difficult, obscure passages, and we had two days to write a sermon on that passage. I want you to know some of that is going to trickle in to this sermon series as well. So we're going to be going with the more obscure stuff that you might not have seen or read or heard of in the book of Acts over these next few weeks. So I'm very excited about that. But today is the day that we say goodbye to Matthew for a while. So I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I invite you to hear the word of God. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you now to join with me in prayer. Lord, we gather here so that we might build our foundation on the rock. We gather here so that we might know what it is you are calling us towards, what it is you are offering us, Lord. We gather here so that we can be your followers. We can display your character. And so that when the waters come, when the rain falls, when the winds blow, Lord, we will be able to stand. We will be in a secure house and a secure foundation that can withstand whatever may come our way, Lord. So guide us now through this parable. Speak to us. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
As I'm sure happens to many of us, if you're reading the Bible, you eventually come across something that you understand in theory, but you don't really get the analogy or the metaphor that's being used. This, for me, this parable is one of those moments because I will confess to you all, I am one of the least handy people ever. I know nothing about construction. So in theory, I get it. You don't want to build something on sand, but I can't tell you specifically why. So when I would read this, I would just kind of pass over it, and the image didn't really stick with me. But then a few weeks ago, I saw this video on the internet that I think actually kind of is the perfect example of what Jesus is talking about here. Can we play that? Can you, can you see that there? It's a house. It's a house literally built on sand. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. It kind of makes it sensible what Jesus is talking about, huh? It was one of the moments when I saw this and I thought, we can stop the video now. It just kind of floats off there for a while. I saw this and I thought, you know what? Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. I, I get it. I don't want that to happen. I mean, you're watching hundreds of thousands of dollars of value literally just float off into the ocean there. And the house was literally built on sand. It's like Jesus saw this, knew this. This is what Jesus is warning us against. This parable is a cautionary tale. If you notice, it doesn't end on the positive note. It ends on the great fall of that house. Jesus is warning us here. There are two different options. One option is that we build our house on a solid foundation. And whatever may come, it stands. The wind may come. The rain may fall. The, wind, the waters may rise. But it's still going to stand. The other option is what we just witnessed. The wind may come. The waters may rise. The rain may fall. But we will fall with it. The thing is, no matter where you are in life, no matter what it is you're experiencing, at some point, challenges will arise. There is evil in this world. Suffering happens in this world. And at some point, we all find ourselves in those moments. The winds will blow, the waters will rise, and the rain will fall. Jesus is trying to prepare us for that moment. One of the things that I appreciate the most about the Bible, and this actually frustrates some people, but I appreciate this, is that the Bible never really tries to have a long philosophical discourse on why there's evil in the world or why suffering happens. Philosophers have tried to explain that. Theologians have tried to explain that. But the Bible, and especially the New Testament, doesn't spend a lot of time trying to explain that to us. Instead, it just assumes that challenges are going to happen. Suffering is going to come. Evil happens in the world. It simply assumes that the waters will rise, the rain will fall, the wind will blow. And instead of trying to explain to us why that might happen, it's always trying to prepare us for those moments. And what I have found is when you're in the middle of a moment where you are suffering, where you are struggling, where a challenge has presented itself, having a long philosophical discourse on why that is happening in your life, it's not actually that helpful. That actually isn't 
what sustains people, what gives them hope. It's like the Bible and the writers have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. They know that. So they jump right past it. And instead, they try to prepare us for those moments. And that's what Jesus is doing here in this parable. We are all going to experience moments where it feels like everything is falling apart, where it feels like nothing is going well, where nothing correct is happening, and it just hurts. Jesus, though, is helping us to understand how to withstand those moments. But there's a bit of an irony in this parable. Like most all of Jesus' parables, there's something that is surprising here. We're used to talking about Jesus as though he is our foundation, and he is. Jesus is the solid rock. But in this parable, if you noticed it, Jesus doesn't actually claim that he is the rock. In other places, he does. But here in this parable, that's not what Jesus says. In this parable, the foundation that we are to build our lives on, the foundation that we are to rest in, to take our comfort in, is these words of mine. Not mine, but Jesus's. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus says these words of mine. Anyone who does them, who hears, sorry, anyone who hears them and does them. That's the foundation that Jesus is talking about. And one problem when we simply leave it as Jesus is our foundation, Jesus is the rock, and we leave off the fact that he pushes us to look at his words, is that you can take the name of Jesus and you can attach all sorts of things to it that Jesus never taught. And people will attach all sorts of ideas, concepts, actions that Jesus would never approve of and claim that they're still in Jesus' name. So when Jesus is pushing us to his words as the foundation, it makes it more specific. It makes it more concrete. We know exactly what he is referring to. We don't get to fill in the gaps. We have to look at Jesus' words. And that's the foundation that he is talking about in this parable. And he's being even more specific because it's not like you could just flip through and when you're looking at this parable, say all of these words, but Jesus is actually focusing specifically on the Sermon on the Mount. This parable is the very last section in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5 through 7, the teaching that we focused on for months, just a couple months ago. Matthew 5 through 7, those are the words that Jesus says are the foundation. That's the rock that he is talking about in this parable. That's what he's trying to push us towards. So I know that every single one of you comes to church every week and you remember everything that I say. So I want you to know I'm going to do a review here, but it's just out of generosity because I know you all remember this. I'm kidding. It's okay to miss church, all right? But here's what Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount. And these are some of the words that he pushes us towards as the foundation. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And Jesus continues with his teachings. If you are angry with a sister or brother, you will be liable to judgment. Do not swear at all. Turn the other cheek. Store up treasures in heaven. 
not on earth. Do not worry. Do not judge. Then he summarizes it all with, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself, including your enemy. These words are the foundation that Jesus pulls us to at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, reminding us that these words are what will help us to stand, help us to actually survive those moments when it feels like everything around us is falling apart, falling into the ocean like that house that we just witnessed. It is these words that put us on a solid footing. Jesus, in his parables, highlighting this, he taught us, let the wheat and the weeds grow together. Don't judge. It's another way of saying that. He tells us the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field, something we are to pursue after, something that should be our focus, something that we should lift up and display to the world as best as we can. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Be open to God surprising you. Then he says, forgive your brother or sister 70 times, seven times. These are all the teachings that Jesus pulls us to as the foundation. And I think you can summarize the message of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew with a simple line. It's what he keeps coming back to. Be merciful. Do mercy. It's funny because Matthew is probably the strictest of all the Gospels. As I've told you the last few weeks, it's all about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's all about the outer darkness. But the thing that will get you the punishment more often than anything else is when you are not merciful. It's like this conundrum where Jesus is strict about being merciful. That's what will get you the most punishment. But Jesus doesn't just give us punishment. In this parable, I think he also gives us the positive affirmation here. And this is what I think is surprising about this parable and the way Jesus structures it all. In those moments where it feels like everything is falling apart, where the wind is blowing, the rain is falling, the waters are rising, in those moments where it feels like you are just struggling with whatever it is that's in your life, our instinct will be to protect ourselves. Our instinct will be to make ourselves secure. Our instinct will be to do whatever we can to defend ourselves, to hold on to whatever we have. But when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us to do the opposite. When we're attacked, you turn the other cheek. When someone takes one shirt from you, you give them another. It's like Jesus is saying, if you want to secure yourself, if you want to protect yourself, let go of trying to secure yourself and protect yourself. Let go of defending yourself. Be merciful to those around you as best as you can. Don't just try to hoard for yourself whatever you can hold on to, but instead open yourself up and be open to the fact that we are vulnerable throughout these lives. I really believe that in those moments when you are suffering, rather than trying to hold on to whatever it is you think you're losing, when you instead dig deep, and try to figure out how you can be merciful to others, how you can help others and focus on others. In those moments, that's when you begin to be freed. That's when you realize that what God gives us cannot actually be taken away. That's when you're resting on the solid foundation, the rock that Jesus pulls us to. That's, I think, the surprise and the irony here. 
Now, every single one of us, we try to base our foundations on all sorts of different things. Some of them can be good, but when they become our foundation, they're no longer good because they are too weak to survive what this world would have for us. I think every single one of us can try to place our security in our finances, try to place our foundation on money, but money is weak. Money is sand. Money will lead to your house falling. Every single one of us can try to place our foundation in politics, in political power, but it is weak. Even though every single politician seems to try to tell us that we're supposed to be strong and we're supposed to fight these days, it's a weak foundation. It's not enough to guide you through those difficult times when everything is falling apart. Many of us can turn to things that aren't good in and of themselves, that are just bad. Alcohol, drugs. We can all find all sorts of different foundations. But what Jesus pulls us back to is this idea of mercy, of loving others, of loving your neighbor as yourself, of the Sermon on the Mount and all the teaching therein. At the end of the day, one of the main messages that I see from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is mercy wins. You can see that in the way God has treated every single one of us. Mercy is extended to all of us. And when you look back at the end game of the Bible, this creation that is so fallen, when God redeems it and restores us, God is there dwelling with us. It's in the book of Revelation at the very end. God is there living in the city with us. Everything is restored to what it was meant to be. We are in God's presence, even though we do not deserve it. Mercy wins at the end of this story. So mercy wins in our lives as well. And in those moments when you're feeling that need to just defend yourself, to hold on, to attack at others, to try to protect yourself at all costs, Jesus pulls us away from that, pulls us to mercy, pulls us to the Sermon on the Mount, and that is how we stand. So may Jesus' words be our foundation. And may we embrace the teaching of our Lord. And even though we're saying goodbye to Matthew for a while, uh, may the Sermon on the Mount continue to guide our lives. So please join me in prayer. Lord, you give us this rather confusing message, Lord, that in order to secure ourselves, we should be more vulnerable. That in order to protect ourselves, we should open ourselves up. Lord, it runs counter to everything that is in our instincts. But you modeled this for us when you went to the cross. Though being very God, you humbled yourself to the point of dying on a cross. You suffered death. You suffered a death that none of us can imagine. Lord, but after that, you rose. After that, you overcame death. And in doing so, you modeled for us that it is through our weakness that strength is found. That it is through mercy that security is established, Lord. So help us to embrace your teaching. And as we move to take our offering now, use these gifts, use these tithes, use these offerings so that we might be a church that models your mercy, that extends it to others, that shows people your character as it is revealed to us in the Gospels that gives people a glimpse of the merciful ending of this world where you will live amongst us, Lord. 
and all will be made right. Use our offering towards that end. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
things have passed away Your love has stayed the same Your constant grace remains the cornerstone Things that we thought were
Oh, I 